podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today we are going to have a look at perhaps the biggest talking point in FPL of recent weeks, which is whether or not we should be going without Erling Haaland. I know it feels like sacrilege to say it, but it is a movement that has gained some traction and some success in the last couple of weeks, considering that Manchester City have largely underwhelmed without Rodri in the team. And it's been uh, two uh, defeats on the spin for Manchester City. Not the sort of thing we are used to, but those of you who went without Haaland have benefited from that. That has got a number of people wondering if perhaps they should do the same thing. He is, of course, the most expensive asset in the game, 14 million. So he does take up a big chunk of your budget. So it does make sense that we would... uh, always question this if we can because there are definitely other ways you can spend the money but as I said it is a big talking point it has uh, divided FPL in many ways and there's managers on both sides of the divide so I thought that I would have a look at this particular question in a bit more detail today Uh, the international break gives us uh, an opportunity to look back on eight game weeks of the season uh, and have a real uh, deep think about what the correct answer is and of course that does mean that we can have a look in the members area as well so if you've not sorted out your membership ahead of game week nine then now is a good time to do so Uh, you can still save up to 30% on those pre-season prices and these sorts of issues uh, that we're looking at today uh, Harland uh, a big one uh, gives you the opportunity to go in and do some of your own research we've done a couple of other videos uh, in the international break having a look at whether or not Neto is worth having a look at whether or not uh, Cole Palmer is worth considering as well so there's a number of different case studies that managers have on their minds right now and the members area is going to be very helpful uh, both in terms of what you can do at home and on what I can have a look at here so let's dive on in and have a look at Erling Haaland's season so far and uh, most of us know this story because most of us uh, own the guy he's uh, 88.7% ownership for him which is a little bit low right now it has been up in the 90s uh, until recently but it was a uh, yeah 13 point uh, haul in game week one against Burnley then two points against Newcastle in game week two four points against Sheffield United in game week three 20 points against Fulham in the 5-1 winning game week four six points against West Ham and Forest respectively back-to-back wins there for City they in fact won all six of their first six games but it has been two defeats on the spin as we mentioned earlier two points in each of those games so just four points for Haaland uh, in the last two games which has got people thinking or rather people had been thinking before these games hmm what can we do without Haaland in the team Alvarez is doing quite nicely um on his own uh, as an FPL asset maybe I can go without and if you did that over the last two weeks it has worked but the question is can it continue to work now um, let's have a look at uh, let's contextualize some of those points a little bit to to really uh, sort of get started on this 55 points for Haaland so far so um, he's the third highest FPL asset uh, this season behind only Watkins and Salah which you know, sounds fairly good, but is, I suppose, slightly below what you'd expect for him. And it is worth pointing out, he's only seven points ahead of Alvarez, who is literally half his price now. Seven million, 14 million is the price of the two strikers, just seven points behind. And what that does mean for Haaland's value is regardless of whether or not you think he's a good asset to have in your team, um, I think we all acknowledge that he's not exactly um, a value king in FPL because he does cost a lot. And therefore, he isn't really performing like a 14 million asset. I think most people would agree with that, uh, even if they've got him, because, you know, uh, the price is just so big. So and, and the stats back that up. So when we look at points per million spent, and this is just among forwards, so this doesn't even include midfielders and defenders and goalkeepers, uh, where we would imagine there to be even more people above him in this list. What we've got on the screen is, yeah, points per million spent among forwards. And we've got um, Mateus Cunha at Wolves, Archer at Sheffield United, Darwin, João Pedro, Evan Ferguson, Mikhail Antonio, Taiwo Wanyi, uh, Dominic Solanke, Eddie Enketia, Alexander Isak, Johan Visser, Lyle Foster, uh, 
Odson Edward, Carlton Morris, Julian Alvarez and Ollie Watkins all offering better value just among forwards than Haaland so far this season. His 3.9 points per million spent, everybody else much higher. Watkins and, and Alvarez especially up their very high 6.9 points per million spent for the Man City man and 7.3 points per million spent for Watkins. So yeah, Haaland is not really in a place where we can say he's offering value, but does that make him a bad asset? Well, that's what we're going to have a look at now because there's more to it simply than just the value because there's all sorts of things like ownership and his uh, ongoing goal threat that we have to consider. So let's now move on to some of the numbers that have underpinned Haaland's season because he has been a bit of a pace setter for basically the entire division. As much as those points perhaps aren't what as, as much as you would like, maybe those uh, the value isn't as much as you would like, all signs suggest that Haaland is in a really good place uh, offensively and perhaps maybe just hasn't been delivering on his um, his threat as much as we'd like based on these numbers. So uh, shots inside the box so far this season, Haaland's had 32. That is eight more than the second best there. So Watkins and Rashford are on 24 apiece. Then you've got Visser on 22 and Morris on 20. So he's 12 ahead of the fifth most persistent asset. And this is in all of FPL now. This is all assets thrown in together. Um, 19 for Salah. Um, So that's not far off being double the amount of shots in the box that Salah's had. So he has been a very persistent shooter. For someone who scored a ridiculous amount of goals last season, someone like him shooting regularly is going to be very ominous and very scary for those of us who don't have him in their team and mildly reassuring for those of us that do. Um, in terms of the quality, again, Haaland is miles ahead of everybody else. 15 big chances. That's five more than the second best in this category, which is Alexander Isak on 10. Then you've got Jackson on 9, Watkins and Nunez on 8 apiece. Now, the only area where perhaps maybe we might want to see a little bit of an improvement from Haaland is perhaps the accuracy because he is still the top performing asset for this particular stat with 16 shots on target so far this season. Um, But he's only three ahead of the second place Madison and only five ahead of about seven players all tied on 11. That does include Salah, uh, Bowen, Son, Bruno Fernandes, a couple of guys in there perhaps in in the captaincy uh, rotation with Haaland uh, in the next few weeks. And so it is is that shots on target we'd like to see come up a little bit but his goal conversion rate is still good. It's around 25%. It's largely a sustainable figure. But the point is, if if Haaland keeps shooting as often as he does and he keeps getting afforded big chances as often as he does, um, even if the, the shots on target stays as they are, you're going to expect him to score a fair amount of goals. If we If we see that shot on target come up a little bit, then it starts to become quite scary for those of us that don't have him. So it is being worth being aware um, just how much he has been dominating the underlying statistics, even if he hasn't necessarily been dominating the point scoring and the points value in the same way. Because I think a lot of people would say there's perhaps more to come from Haaland this season. And that may well be true once Man City have Rodri back. So that's the next little uh, section of this case study is Man City with and without Rodri. Um, I think that's making a big difference. I think them being without him uh, is one of the factors why Haaland has underperformed so drastically in the last two games. And it's worth pointing out that Rodri will, of course, return to the team for game week 
nine. And so we'll start off with Man City, the impact on Man City, and then we're going to move on to the impact on uh, Haaland himself. And it is really quite staggering, the difference between Man City when they've got Rodri in the team and when they don't. It's been widely documented in a lot of places, but I'll just sort of illustrate uh, how the members area has, has captured that. In game weeks, on the left-hand side, we've got game weeks one through six when Rodri was playing uh, each game. And then on the right-hand side, we've got game week seven and eight where they were without Rodri in the team. Because, of course, one of those three games that he missed was a cup game. So we, that doesn't form part of the Premier League data. Um, and what we've done, I've ticked the little box in the members area for um, I want show averages per appearance so we can compare um, possession, for example, per game rather than, you know, obviously for the first six games it would be higher anyway. So factors in the difference in the number of matches. Now we have to just caveat this data before we go too heavy on it. Of course, there's only two games on the right-hand side, which of course, you know, by any uh, definition is a small sample size. Uh, there's also a, a big a contrast in terms of opponent. We have a Wolves team that um, defensively hasn't really been that good this season. It's a team that City usually do very well against. Uh, and of course, Arsenal, however, a team that, well, Arsenal um, ha- have had a good season so far. Uh, a big 1-0 win for them against Man City is, is a big result for them. Uh, historically, it's been a team that Man City has still been able to dominate possession against, for example. Although lesser in recent years, I'm fairly confident that the last time those two sides met in the Premier League before Sunday uh, was the lowest possession Man City had ever had in a Premier League game under Guardiola. Um, either way, a challenging fixture. Let's just put it that way. We've got an easy fixture and a challenging fixture. So it's, it's you know, if we had a larger sample size, we'd have a more evened out sort of concept of opposition. So those caveats are worth putting in there. However, the data is still useful and still interesting because uh, in the games with Rodri, we see Man City so far this season averaging 66.3% possession in those games. Uh, in the two where they didn't, 58.8% uh, possession. Now, in terms of the... Um, distribution much much lower as well so they're a team that's built on successful passes 624.7 successful passes in the uh, per game uh, in a match where they've got Rodri there that dropped to 488.5 in the two where they didn't pass completion rate down from 90.6% to 87.4% um, and it kind of you know we see similar trends in, in key areas of the field so pass completion in the opponent's half dropping from 91.3% per game to 87.3% per game um you know all of these different things are dropping off let's move on to what that means for um their uh, goal threat then because um that's really the, the 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 key stat here what we saw was that they dropped from 17.3 goal attempts per game to 13.5 when they didn't have rodri uh the goal attempts um that were big chances was 3.5 per game before down to just one per game without Rodri, and then goal attempts on target down from 7.2 per game to 4.0. So massive drop-off in terms of uh, having Rodri and not having Rodri. And it's worth pointing out that from game week nine onwards, we would expect and hope that Man City would return to numbers more like what we're seeing on the left-hand side there. Can't really see any reason why they wouldn't. They've got some challenging fixtures, but they're not necessarily challenging in a Man City way if Rodri is fit. And so let's um, let's move on to what it meant for Haaland specifically. And the same kind of rule applies. What you see on the left-hand side is what you get from Haaland when Rodri is in the team. So um, the, the drop-off here is actually even more staggering. Now, when you bear in mind that Haaland is the sort of player that quite often doesn't touch the ball very often, it probably isn't all that surprising that when City have less of the ball, that, that you know, lack of touches of the ball is even more obvious. And 
we've got the numbers first and then we've got the diagram as well and so for the benefit of the podcast listeners the numbers are as follows in game weeks one to six for Haaland he was averaging 5.2 shots per game 5.2 shots in the box uh, big chances 2.5 and shots on target 2.5 per game now they just wow dropped off a cliff in these last two games Um, goal attempts per game 0.5 uh, goal attempts in the box, 0.5 per game. Big chances, zero. Shots on target, 0.5. Now, what that roughly translates to, what you'll see from the diagram, is that he had just one shot. He had one shot in two games. And when you compare the absolute cluster on the left-hand side in this XG shot map of shots in really important locations, locations the, the, the blobs are significantly sized, which means they are decent chances for XG, lots of them big. Wow, what a huge drop-off. And in actual fact, I was very confused when I first screenshotted this. Um, I thought I could see two dots on the right-hand side. Um, It turned out it was a smudge on my monitor, and there was in actual fact only one. But even when I saw just two, I was like, surely not. Um, So the drop-off is big. How Having not had Rodri in the team has impacted Haaland. So if you're looking at those Haaland returns and thinking, hmm, maybe there's the potential in the coming weeks that I can go without him, I wouldn't... I wouldn't be too uh, keen to lean as much as as you might want to into the last two matches because what we can see is that the left-hand side here really is what we should be expecting from Man City when they've got their key personnel on the pitch and that is who they're going to have available to them when they face their upcoming fixtures. Um, Now, the interesting thing... um, about Haaland himself is that poor spells can sometimes trigger him to move on to even bigger and better things. So, for example, uh, last season, between game weeks 22 and 24, he had one goal in four matches, um, and that did even include that little run on an away trip to Wolves. So he's been there, done it before, because um, he followed that run up with nine goals, four assists, and 74 points during uh, the next eight. So he does know how to come back with a bang. Uh, a lot of his numbers this so far this season are actually up anyway. Uh, so his shots per 90 is up. His shots on target per 90 is up. His penalty area shots per 90 is up on last season. Uh, he's even up on his chances created. So last season, he created 0.97 chances per game. That's up to 1.27 per game uh, so far this season. Um the only thing that's slightly down is that goal conversion, but we know he's a world-class player and we would imagine that's going to even out. And so bearing in mind all of those things with these fixtures coming up, I don't think there's as much to be um, concerned about as perhaps first thought. Now, you'll look at where Man City are on the season ticker and it might at first be a bit like, oh, okay, that's a bit annoying. Um, and just for benefit of the podcast listeners, what we've got here is the next six matches uh, sorted by attacking potential um, rather than overall or defensive. And Man City are actually the fifth worst. They've got Brighton at home, Man United away, Bournemouth at home, Chelsea away, Liverpool at home and Spurs at home. Now, the question is, does fixture difficulty matter to Man City? And most people will agree that it probably doesn't. And here's a few pieces of uh, uh, context to help you, um, you know, understand why that's the case for Man City. Um well, first thing to ask, let's have a look at the opponents in the sense that Brighton are yet to keep a clean sheet. So Man City should score in that one. Um, they've conceded the fourth most goals. Um, but yeah, more specifically leaning into Man, Man City, Haaland scored a hat-trick in the um, Manchester Derby at Old Trafford last season. Um, you know, Liverpool themselves are conceding 14.38 chances per match, for example. So there's all sorts of reasons why we don't have to worry so much about these particular uh, fixtures. Um, against tougher teams... Um, 
last season in 12 matches against the next seven opponents, we've got Villa away in game week uh, 15, Haaland delivered 14 attacking returns and 84 points. So you shouldn't be phased by these fixtures, if I'm honest. And bearing in mind that Rodri's coming back in, I think the last two games have kind of been the you know the calm before the Erling Haaland storm. That's sort of my personal opinion. Um, and there's even more factors to come into this. You can probably guess where I'm going with this. Like, I still have Haaland in my team, and I don't really have plans to move him on. Um, maybe I'm biased, but arguably all of the things I'm going through here are sort of the reason why that's kind of become my decision. So we've talked about a few things. We've talked about, um, you know, his form of late. We've talked about Man City with and without Rodri. We've talked about Haaland with and without Rodri. We've talked about Man City going up against uh, teams that they have done well against in the past, and Haaland going up against teams that he's done well against in the past as well. And largely the data there is suggesting to me that we're going to see some returns from Haaland. So the question then becomes, um, you know, that was a that was a sort of almost binary issue from a, just a purely football perspective. Like, is Haaland likely to do well against these opponents? Well, let's move on to some more gamification of this idea, because, of course, you know, it's not just a case of will he score? Yes or no. Or will he get a hat trick? Yes or no. It's what's the value of that to my team based on how much it's going to cost me what am I sacrificing in order to have that in my team um, what things could I have in place of that and could those all even out and one of the big things that will help you make that decision for your team is going to be the captaincy which we'll talk about now because of course um, if you if you've gone outside of Haaland for the captaincy last couple of weeks again you have had some success and so it's and you look at the fixtures and you look at the form of players like Salah and Son and you look at the fixtures and the season form of Saka and for the first time in a long time people are thinking a bit about what the captaincy is going to look like um, over the coming weeks could we could we return to more of a rotation and there's definitely opportunities for that in the coming weeks I mean while Brighton is a favourable fixture Salah at home to Everton Son at home to Fulham very attractive could present some alternatives there Haaland yes got a hat-trick against Man United last season but Salah at home to Forest but more importantly to be honest Saka at home to Sheffield United Sheffield United have been the worst defense in the Premier League by some margin this season um, particularly weak from set pieces Saka has some involvement in those for example you know that could be a good opportunity to uh, look somewhere else um, you know game week 11 I would argue that it's between Haaland and, and Salah Bournemouth defense doesn't look great but neither does Luton's for example um, game week 12 offers another opportunity because Burnley have been particularly poor Saka's at home to them Haaland does face a Chelsea side that whilst they've struggled for results this season their defence has actually been quite mean it's been quite hard to break down and has got more clean sheets than I think people realise if you've only been invested in Chilwell who just wasn't on the pitch for those so there's definitely alternative options in some of these game weeks and, and that's what's got people thinking in, in many ways now I am uh, quite uh, relatively happy with my team which what we've got on the screen uh, below that little season ticket that we've got there is the Rate My Team tool now if you've not used that um, uh, and you've got a membership go and have a look at the Rate My Team tool it's really really useful for making decisions especially about who you're going to bench each week who you're going to captain things like that um, it's, it's very much like a team planner as well so you can remove players and put them back in and, so, and have a look at how your team would be set up for things like your captaincy and your bench options in the coming weeks if you signed a certain player for example you just need to put your ID in it's very very useful and it's a nice little grid way of, uh, of working out what to do and at the moment I've got Son I've got Salah and I've got Haaland and I don't have Saka um, I'm probably looking at maybe game week 10 of, of doing Son to Saka so I can maybe captain Saka against Sheffield United but the interesting thing is is the Rate My Team tool which of course uses our projection uh, tool as well uh, is still wanting me to captain Haaland most weeks this is the thing is it's still projecting that 
Haaland is the most uh, the player most likely to score the most points. Now it is game week ten and it is game week twelve where it wants me to vice captain him against uh, Brighton in game week nine, in game week eleven against Bournemouth, in game week thirteen against Liverpool, and game week fourteen against Tottenham. Uh, it thinks that in my team uh, the best captaincy option um, is Haaland, which uh, yeah is interesting. Bearing in mind that uh, in uh, game week fourteen Salah does uh, of course face Fulham, um, but for most of those I'm fairly happy with the recommendations it's making there um, because what we're going to move on to now is effective ownership now um, there, I know this is a contentious topic and you'll get some people that don't look at it at all and you get some people that look at it perhaps too much and I think that finding a middle ground to sort of understand effective ownership is, is fairly important now if you don't know what effective ownership is effective ownership is um, what the ownership of a player is when the captaincy is factored in and of course you can look at this in a sort of very rank specific way so for example um, managers in the top 10k may be more or less invested uh, in a player both in terms of owning him or captaining him um, than perhaps in a different rank bracket like top 100k top 500k um, and things like that and to give a basic example if everybody owned a certain individual player then his effective ownership before the so his ownership before the captaincy at that rank bracket would be 100% now if everybody in a specific game week captain that guy, then his ownership, his effective ownership becomes 200%. That's about as basic as I can explain it. And of course, it's never that simple. So the numbers uh, don't quite always reflect that. Now, um, I've got on my team, on the screen at the moment, how my team got on in game week uh, eight um, through live FPL, which offers you the opportunity to sort of peruse this uh, effective ownership data. Now, um, to give you an example of the power that Haaland still has, uh, even in a week when Son was overwhelmingly seen as the best captain candidate and I went for him, um, and Salah was involved in the conversation as well against Brighton, uh, and Haaland less so, because uh, of course he's in this big game against Arsenal. Um, in my rank bracket, I'm 153k right now, so I think that Live FPL is measuring me off the top 500k here. Um, the effective ownership of Haaland was still 137.9%. So, uh, going into Sunday, I was quite nervous. Effectively, it means that even though I've got him in my team, if he did anything, I was going to drop in rank. Now, admittedly, 137.9% uh, is quite low for him, so I feel like I got off, was getting off lightly in a number of ways number one his his effective ownership was less powerful than usual and secondly of course he did blank but we've already covered that I think that's largely because Rodri wasn't there and you know Arsenal against Man City is, is, is becoming the new Man City against Liverpool with the best respect to Liverpool uh, they're the two teams fighting for the title um, I think they're the two best teams so we've covered the mitigating factors for that now what it's worth thinking about is how big is that number going to be in the coming weeks? And so um, what I've got on the screen now is another screenshot from LiveFPL.net, which assesses the effective ownership of the most popular players in two different rank brackets, top 10K and local, which I, I is you know kind of where the average FPL manager kind of is right now, to be honest, 400K to 500K. Um, there's some interesting differences here. For example, there is obviously more people in the 400, 500K rank who have who had Haaland in game week 8 and captained him than in the top 10k I would probably argue that at this stage the top 10k is very volatile uh, rank bracket and the you know the people who went against Haaland have obviously pushed into the top 10k because they didn't have him I think in re in the next couple of weeks people who have Haaland and captain him will probably propel themselves back into the top 10k and you'd perhaps see uh, the two numbers there the one two five 
1.7% effective ownership for Haaland in the top 10K and 137.9% effective ownership in the local uh, brackets. I think you would see them even out a little bit more. But the point here is, is that even in a week where he had a hard fixture and Son and Salah had much nicer fixtures, he was still by far and away the most uh, effective, the player with the most effective ownership. So in the local, uh, 137% for him. It's roughly double, second best, with Son on 76.1. Salah, his effective ownership was 41.62. So he's still a huge differential, by the way, especially if you captain him. Um, And in the top 10K, 125.7 for Haaland, 89.3% for Son, and then Salah was on 36.9. Now, Trippier is also kind of up and about there as well, 58.3, 70.63. Watkins, um, he's up there as well, 56% effective ownership in the local, 80% effective ownership in the top 10K. And that kind of brings us to the final point about what can you have if you don't have Haaland, and what are you giving up if you do? Um, And for me and my team at the moment, I don't have Watkins, I don't have Trippier. Uh, I do have a Newcastle defender in Botman, who I will fully appreciate can't cover him. Uh, I do have Aston Villa coverage in Diaby. I do actually think that Diaby can cover Watkins. I know that in the week where Watkins got 23 points, it was a big difference. But actually, those two players, in my opinion, are kind of tracking quite well with each other uh, for the season as a whole. So... As long as you can find ways to mitigate against not having those players, I think Haaland keeping him is important. Um, if you go without Haaland, then yeah, maybe you can get a, a team that actually involves a lot of these players are currently on the screen. Um, you know, uh, a test draft could perhaps involve you know Trent Alexander-Arnold, Trippier, Cash, Salah, Son, Madison, Bruno Fernandes, Diaby, Alvarez and Watkins. You know, that is, a, that is a team that is going to cover off a lot of this effective ownership on the screen. I guess my my question back to you simply just would be, if that's the route you're going to go with, what are you going to do with that captaincy? Because while Son and Salah have good opportunities in the coming weeks, there are instances where Haaland's are better. And I know you'd probably still have Alvarez, but actually, whilst those two players are tracking quite well with each other for points so far, in terms of underlying numbers, Haaland is miles ahead. And I think there's a lot of overperformance from Alvarez and a bit of underperformance from Haaland. And when they even out, I think the gap could be bigger. So going back to those raw numbers again, Haaland's had 32 shots in the box this season. Alvarez has only had 13, 15 big chances for Haaland, two for Alvarez, 16 on target for for Haaland and 10 for Alvarez. The XGI is basically double. Alvarez is on 3.79 so far. Haaland's on 8.38. And you could turn around and say, well, he's got the penalties. Well, yeah, exactly. He's got the penalties. Wouldn't you rather captain the penalty taker at Man City than someone who's not taking the penalties? Son and Salah both uh, on penalties. So arguably they're in a different um, section of this to Alvarez. So I don't think that Alvarez is a captaincy candidate. And I guess what it's worth just pointing out is you, ha- as much as you feel like you could build a decent team without Haaland, you have to really bet against him still also doing well because that effective ownership is is going to be hugely damaging if you go without him. And while Son and Salah might do well, you kind of need Haaland to not do well for you to avoid being punished by that effective ownership um, because it could leave you in a really dangerous position in terms of your rank. Now, I don't think going out without Haaland is is always a bad idea. I think it's just about timing. I think right now, uh, a lot of people have perhaps already deployed their wildcards. Maybe you haven't deployed it yet. So if you haven't deployed your wildcards, to be honest, like if you wanted to give Haaland out of your team a go, that is a good place to be because if it goes wrong, you can wildcard him back in. If you've you've already wildcarded a few weeks ago and you're thinking about taking Haaland out, that's more dangerous because you might have to do more surgery to bring it back in um, and I just think 
Man City are gonna are really gonna kick on. There, there's always a stage of the season where Man City go into juggernaut mode, and it's usually after they've had a bad run of form. I think that's coming up now. Now, the reason why I say it's about timing is we a lot of us had some success going without Haaland at the back end of last season, and I made a lot of progress towards the back end of last season and nearly crept into the top 10k. I finished something like 10,179th. Um, because I went without Haaland right near the end and I spread that cash, but I did it at such a time where Man City had basically already won the league, so they weren't that fussed on the Premier League anymore. All their focus was on the Champions League. So basic, And there was also little niggles for, for Haaland as well. So there was a time where even his expected minutes was, was through the floor, which of course massively dented his, um, his goal for a potential. We don't have any of that right now. Man City are deadly focused on the Premier League. They especially have to be now that they've fallen behind in the title race. He's going to play as many games as possible. His form when Rodri's in the team is fantastic. And so I just think that betting against Haaland is very dangerous right now. And hopefully uh, the uh, the information that I've gone through here is going to be useful for that. And appreciate this video kind of wound on uh, a while, but there's just a lot to talk about here. And it is arguably the biggest talking point in all of FPL right now. So uh, it definitely deserves a bit of time to uh, assess it properly. Now, as I said, a lot of this information, of course, has come from the members area so if you would rather go and have a look at these yourself without having to listen to me drone on for 28 minutes uh, then of course go and sign up and save 30% on those pre-season prices hopefully you found this video useful and if you have uh, it'd be great if you could uh, hit the, the like button it's a great way to support the channel it's completely free and of course if you subscribe to the channel hit that bell notification you won't miss a thing in the future either but with that I shall leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your international break and I shall see you next time